Nice to have you. One of our worship leaders is uh, Robbie Vessels, and I never knew where he got his material from, like Bucky's Bala, and then I realized he got it from Deuteronomy. So, so I'm going to show you where Robbie Vessels gets his songs from, and while you feel uncomfortable in your seats, we're going to see if Jesus can actually save people today. And actually, some of you people need to be baptized today, and because you never did it before the meeting with... Um, nice shirts on and you get a free shirt, you're going to get baptized in your clothes, Amani and all. We're going to put Amani under the water, we're going to put your true religion genes under the water, yes they might shrink but it looks like they've shrunk already, some of you wearing them. And so if I said to you, Stephen... If you've been in this church for any length of time, and I said to you, Stephen, and I just asked you immediately for a surname, if I said to you, Stephen, what would you say? Dollenberg. If I said to you, Stephen, what would you say? Ah, oh, not your husband. Forget your, it's not all about him. Oh, jeez. Let me ask someone whose husband's not Stephen. What did you say? If I just said Stephen, surname? Dollenberg. Of course, you, you would say Dollenberg because... In this church, you grow up with Stephen Dollenberg, who's one of the preachers. But the Stephen in the Bible, when it says, now Stephen, you can put Acts chapter 6, verse 8 up for me, please. It says, now Stephen, and when you see that in the Bible, it's everything against what we believe in our minds, Stephen Dollenberg, the preacher. It's actually Stephen who's not a preacher. It's Stephen who's actually not one of the inner circle of the church. The church is not built by preachers. The church is built by you. Every one of you is a priest filled with the presence of God, called into his workplace, some as farmers, some as lawyers, some as doctors, some as students, some as housewives, but you're empowered in God to take this gospel out. And so what happens in Acts chapter 6 is that the church gets built, there's internal pressure, there's external pressure, there's internal pressure, there's external pressure, and then we start to see the church coming together when guys like Stephen and Johan and Riette, and Karine, who's a dentist, and Pete and Rindy, and Henry and Sharda, when, when they all get together, and they decide to host a meal for the over-70s, and they have it next in the church. I walked into that meal, and I saw some of these beautiful people, this, young, this lady, young lady, this young lady, married by my grandfather 54 years ago, sitting as a widow and a 70-year-old in the church that we are building, being served by a group of very influential Afrikaans businessmen with the most unbelievable plates of food, the most unbelievable choice of, of puddings. And I'm thinking, now we're building the church. Now we're building the church. This is not about some guy standing up and preaching. So when you see now Stephen, it's actually talking to you. It's not talking to Stephen Dollenberg, the preacher. Amen? Now Stephen, so, so he, he does this menial task, like look after the widows, look after the, what task must you do in the church? Just do anything that you can do. And God is going to use you, and the church starts to get built, and then he starts to send these people out. Amen? In the most amazing ways. Then Stephen dies. He, he, he preaches this unbelievable sermon, and actually we're, doing, we're going through Acts, Acts uh, 7 and verse 54. He preaches incredibly. And he says, when they heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, not Stephen the preacher, 
But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I love that scripture. I think, I hope one day I'll do something that's worthy of Jesus standing up for me. I don't think I have yet. But one day I want Jesus to stand up for me. When I'm in the face of unbelievable opposition and I decide not to back down and we decide to hold our stand against a society that is infiltrating into the godliness of the character of the king that called us, that we'll be able to stand and say, no, we're not going to let this go any further. And he looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God. And the glory of God, Exodus 34 says, He is patient and gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love and abounding in faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And when he looked up into that sky and he saw Jesus, he looked at all these people who were throwing stones at him and he said, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. I I, want to be a guy that can absorb a stone without having to react Always on edge, ready to punch oaks, cut off taxis, shout at taxis, or just absorb the stone. We, we want to build a church that can absorb a stone and give back what God gave to us. Forgiveness, amen? At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there, giving approval to his death. That man who got baptized today, one of them, I won't tell you his name. He says, you know, Rory, for 30 years I had absolutely zero feeling about God or church. Nothing. Zero. And he said, a few weeks ago, a lady started bringing me to church, and I came here, and she said, oh, it was a nice building, nice group of people, but I felt nothing. Went to home group, felt nothing. And on Monday night, he said, something happened in my heart. Today, got baptized. You see, you see when you, you, you can just be witnessing. You can actually be here for no reason than because you came on holiday, and you're and your people you're staying with brought you to church, and you're just sitting here thinking, what is this thing? Big screen, loud music, entertainment, what is this thing? If this thing is real, it'll put a seed inside of your heart. And one day you'll have to respond to that seed. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles, say all, All. except the apostles, were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Friends, the people that were meant to go were the apostles. The people that ended up staying were the apostles. And the problem with the church is that we're so interested in building our own facility that we stop going where God wants us to go. And the church becomes an inward-looking, self-inclined, self-medicating group of people that will eventually implode on itself because it wasn't meant to exist for itself. It was meant to exist for the benefit of other people. 
And actually what happens is that not through blessing that people go out, that actually is through persecution. Because God thought, I will never get these guys to leave Jerusalem unless a riot breaks out, unless a persecution breaks out. And while you're going through difficulties now, don't say, God, where are you? You must ask God, where do you want me to be? Because God will persecute the church. God will bring opposition against the church. And it's the heroes that go out. Men like Stephen. Men like Philip. God sends to us students here. Every single year we get a new batch of students. I just want to have them for four years. I want to teach them about Jesus. I want to teach them about the Father. I want to teach them about the Holy Spirit. That when they get sent out, wherever they go, they will carry Christ with them. Amen? And it actually says, through persecution, they go to Judea and Samaria. If you go back to the book of Acts, it says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, outermost parts of the world. And we think, hey, God's going to give us a beautiful building. He's going to give us lots of people. And then we're going to have lots of money. We're gonna... No, 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 no. He says, I'll tell you what, there's going to be opposition that hits the church. And when that opposition comes, my glory is going to go out to the earth. So friends, it's not a pain-free ride, Christianity. It's not a fancy building, Christianity. It's actually just being obedient when God speaks. And most of it comes from persecution. Most of it comes. Where's Gijs Bertus Pitzer? Why did you stand? So if you know Gijs Pitzer, you think cars, but, but this is, this is Pitzan. His grandfather played Springbok rugby. Gijs, and then there's Jaku and Piet and Geist, and then there's Geist Bertus Pitzer. I got, I got a message. Yesterday, last Sunday, after I preached, hello pastor, I'm in your church, I'm in hospital, I'm fighting cancer, I've just had a major colon operation, and, and, and it's spread into my organs, but I want to tell you, his family, the Pitzer family, are on high alert now. They're preaching Christ, they're trusting God, they, they want a miracle, Amen. And we're going to trust with him. So reach out your hands to Geis Bertus Pitzer. And every time you drive past Geis Pitzer Motors, just remember there's another Geis Pitzer in the city. He's a young man. He's a member of our church. And he's trusting God for healing. Lord Jesus, you can stop a whole service of thousands of people because you're interested in one. And right now, Lord God, we bring Geis Bertus before you. And ons vraag, Himmelse Vader, vir guns en genade en vir gezondheid. We ask you, Lord God, the Bible says we cannot malign your word. We cannot bring malignancy against your word, Lord God. Malignancy can't stand in the face of your word, Lord God. And so we declare your word over this young man, Lord God. We declare your power and your grace and your favor and your healing, Lord God. We declare the name of Jesus. As it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth, Lord God. And Lord God, I pray for every sick person. As it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth, Lord God. I pray the name of Jesus, the name that is more powerful than any other name, will touch his body. Would heal him. I bid for him, Heere. I say, Himmelse Vader, sal jy in sy, in sy lichaam kom, vandag, nou, Himmelse Vader. Ek vraag jy, asjeblief, Himmelse Vader, sal jy hom vastvat. The Bible says, Lord, the Father is greater than all, and no one can snatch us from the Father's hand. Himmelse Vader, sit jou hand rondom hierdie jong man. We ask for healing, we ask for power, we ask for grace, we ask for authority, we ask for anointing, Lord God. Bless the Pitzer family, Lord God, every one of them, Lord God. Pit and Yaku and Geis, Lord God, and their wives and their children, Father God. Bless the Pitzer family, Lord God. Bless them. Touch this young man. In Jesus' name.
Amen. And the next verse says, in verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip, say Philip. Turn to the person next to you and say, you Philip. You Stephen. You're not Rory. You're not Dollenberg. No, just say it, guys. So because to, to the mindset is, the mindset is we'll come to church and we'll be fed by somebody who stands in the pulpit. I can't do it. I am not the, my job, this is half time. You, you're busting your guts there, you're sweating and you're tackling big people and you come on a Sunday to be refreshed, to be encouraged, to be strengthened by the word of God so that you can go out and do what God called you to do. He didn't call you to this. This is half time. This is to get filled with the spirit so you can go and sell. Amen? You go and heal. You go and lay hands on the sick, like Stephen and Philip, just ordinary men waiting on tables. Johan and Riette, Pitt and Amarinda, Corinne. You, you should have seen those plates. The, the best cutlery, the best crockery, and these 70 year olds just eating. I thought, you don't even know who's serving you. Amen? So Philip goes to Samaria. Say Samaria. You know, you know, a little bit earlier, because Jesus goes into Samaria, and, um, and, and he sends his disciples ahead, and, and he says, go and prepare a place, and it says, the Samaritans won't accept us. So the disciples say, well, let's call fire down on them and obliterate them. It's, it's, it's like, the Afrikaans guys don't like me. Well, let's call fire down on them and just obliterate them. Boof. Or Rory, you can do what Jesus did in Luke chapter 4. He, he walked into Samaria and he found the woman and he just loved her. And he tried to find a point of contact and he says, um, who's your husband? He says, I don't have a husband. He says, right, you've been married five times and the man you're living with now is not your husband. But I'm the seventh man. I'm the perfect man. I will show you what wholeness looks like. And he actually takes somebody who's completely different to him, makes him whole. And then his disciples say, let's still call fire down on them. Or we can learn about Jesus and make people that are different to us whole. And so then God starts to send people to us. And now we've got black people and white people and young people and old people and English people and Afrikaans people and we're using our resources to make each other whole. Yeah? And then this revival breaks up. This is what I want to preach about. Verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go, say go. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. You know what a eunuch is? Bakisbala. 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 I don't know if it's actually your bala, or it's a baki. But let's have a look here. In, let's have a look at Deuteronomy 23. If you can put that up for me, please. Let's read it together. No one, let's read it together, who has been emasculated by, say crushing, feel it. You ladies have got no idea. You have got no idea. You just have to ask a cricketer. But to put a, you got no, it's in the Bible, so don't worry. No one who has been emasculated by crushing, say crushing, feel it, or cutting, say cutting, 
soft knife, blunt knife. May enter the assembly of the Lord. You can't come in. Say, oh, Rory, why do you preach? It's in the Bible. Because I want to tell you that there are many people in this room today who have been crushed or cut by something. Crushed by life. Crushed by relationships. Crushed by your upbringing. Cut off from your family. Cut off from an inheritance. That's why it's in the Scripture. So God takes Philip, who's in the middle of a revival. This is like a revival happening here. It's like a revival. Where, where do all these people come from? I don't know. The revival happening, God takes him from this and says, are you still prepared, Rory, or anybody here, are you still prepared to leave the big meeting and go to one person who desperately needs help? That's the beauty of the Bible. So he, he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, financial minister, queen of the Ethiopians. This man has gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture. Say that very passage of Scripture. Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He's had his testicles cut off. He's a black man. He's deeply longing for some form of meaning. He's got money. So he uses his money to get to Jerusalem to see if he can actually find out the purpose of life because he can't have children, he can't have a family, he's unbelievably lonely, he doesn't know what the purpose of life is, money's not made him happy, black people have been ostracized, and he's gone and he says, is there anybody who can give me meaning? And he's been there and he obviously didn't get the meaning because he's leaving Jerusalem. He's going back to Ethiopia and he's got the Bible and he says, can anybody please explain to me what's going on here? I'm black, I'm sterile, I've got money, but I've got no purpose and I desperately need somebody to explain to me what is my life about? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Say that with me. Why shouldn't I be baptized? I want you to ask that question today. I'm going to preach for another 12 minutes, and then I want to ask you this question. Rich people, black people, young people, old people, sterile people, fruitful people. I want to ask you this question. Why shouldn't you be baptized today? 
in your Imani, with your makeup and your eyelashes. So let's go to the scripture. He must have had the whole book of Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah 53. He must have had the whole book of Isaiah in front of him. And, and, he, and he's sitting there and he's trying to make sense of it. And if it doesn't come up, it doesn't matter. Just, just go and read it when you get home. And he must have started in the beginning of Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who grew up before him like a tender shoot. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Friends. We've just got pastors who are getting more and more slick. They've got the best shoes, the best clothes, the best everything. They put makeup on and they stand on the stage representing a Jesus that had absolutely nothing that was attractive to man. And we put on a bigger and bigger show and say, come to our show, come to our music, come to our building, come to our echo. This stuff is worth nothing. If we do not have the power of God and the Spirit of God, it doesn't matter how the pastor dresses. And we are putting on some form of religion where if you look successful and you wear zhuzhi clothes, then we're going to build something that is eternal. Friends, Jesus had nothing that attracted us to him. Nothing. And all of a sudden, the eunuch's reading this and he thinks, I've got nothing. I can't have a family. Nobody's attracted to me. I've, everything's been cut off. And if you say, what does that mean, Rory? It means your testicles were crushed and your sexual organ was cut off. That's what it means. And now this eunuch is sitting thinking, where am I going to find meaning? And it takes Philip, a man like you, a man in the marketplace, a man who's just busy honoring God, wherever you might be, to sit next to him and say, let me explain to you, sir, about Jesus. Let me explain to you about him. And then he would have kept reading, friends, if you can put it up on the board. He was despised and rejected. Surely, surely, he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. Next verse. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was, say it, say it. Can you imagine what the Ethiopian is feeling? He was crushed for my iniquities. And he's sitting there thinking, I'm crushed. I'm not just in his testicles. He's crushed. He's looking for meaning. Say, so where do I find it? He says, let me tell you about my Savior. He was crushed. So that anybody who comes to 3CI on the 2nd of July, 2023, Whoever has crushed you, however you were crushed, sexually, emotionally, relationally, financially, if you were crushed, I want to tell you about my Savior who was crushed for you. So that he will take your crush and he will give you his wholeness. And he must have just looked at the thing, oh, can you keep reading, please? Can, can, you, just, can you just keep reading? Look at verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. It's, it's, it's not the Lord's will to cause any man to be barren. So somebody said it was a person's will to crush somebody so they could serve in the market. This is my son. Come, my son. Come here. This is, this is my son. This is my, this is my last born son. This, this boy's smell 
intoxicates me. It intoxicates me. You know what it says? It says it was the Lord's will. Do you know what it says in one of the Bibles? It says it pleased the Lord to crush him. I cannot put any form of pressure on my son's head until my father heart starts protecting him. There is no ways that I can ever cause my son pain. There is no ways. And as soon as I put, I think, God, you did that on purpose. Why? Because there was an Ethiopian eunuch. He got crushed by human beings, and I had to crush my son so that I can pull him out of that and make him whole. And there are people in your church, Rory, on the 2nd of July that have been crushed. And I want you to preach the gospel so that actually they can get saved and they can get healed and they no longer have to be embarrassed about their crushing. Amen? Isaiah 54. Are you still with me? Just follow. It's okay, sir. It's okay. I'm so pleased you're here today. The year that may not because the from Afrikaans mensen liefde. Sing, O barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy. You who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Just keep it on the board. Don't show my face. What's more embarrassing in society, for a man to be uh, uh, sterile or for a woman to be sterile? Much more embarrassing for a woman to be sterile. She has to, well, where are your children? I don't have any children. Why don't you have any children? I'm barren. Men can get away with it. We can just walk and carry on and you, you can sleep around. And if you're sterile, it's awesome. You just never make anyone pregnant. But for a woman to be barren is a, is, is a, is a societal stigma. And, and then he starts reading it. And, and, it's, and the first thing he says after Jesus died Sing, O barren woman. You think, but that's opposite what we should do. Barren woman, don't sing. Barren woman, grieve. And God says, no, sing. And, and the, the Ethiopian's thinking, flip. If a barren woman can sing, then surely I can sing. This is just the womb. This is a barren womb or barren room. And, and, and we can do nothing. Not Rory, not Pete, not Stephen, not the elders. We can do nothing. And then God starts to impregnate the church, and it says more are the sons of the barren woman. He bought his mate last week. Do you know why you're here? Because God impregnated our church with your seed. He sent you here. You are a son that we cannot birth, but God can birth. And then we met the guy at a wedding, and because the Spirit of God is inside of us, we start to share. He said, I'll come once. And so he comes once. And every single person here is a miracle that is not born by the cleverness of human beings, but has been sent here by the one who's in heaven that impregnates the barren womb. And all of a sudden, this eunuch's looking and thinking, flip, I can actually have a family. It's called the church. It's called the church. And when I look around here, I don't say, oh, I can't boast or brag because every one of you is a gift from God into a barren womb because God wants to show people that despite being crushed and cut off, we can still be fruitful. Are you with me, friends? It applies to your business. It applies to your marriage. It applies to your relationships. Sing, oh, barren woman. 
you who never bore a child. That's why the church sings, because actually God came and touched our hearts. You who never were in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Start building bigger. God wants to bless you. For your maker is your husband. This guy would never be married. He would never understand covenant. Never. He'll never know covenant. And, 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 and now there's this broken marriage. And some of you are sitting here. You've broken marriages. Your husband has deserted you. It says your husband of your youth. Some of you got married young. And, and your husband has deserted you. And God says, I will be your husband. I will be your husband. I will look after you. And some of you, your husbands have died. And, so, and all of a sudden, you come into this place and you think, I am not capable of entering into a covenantal relationship because I am so maimed. And I'm crushed and I'm cut. And God says, I'll be your husband. I will teach you about covenant. I will come and be your maker. I will be your hope. I will be your. And all of you ladies that are crying, you understand this. Because when your husband left, you became barren. And God says, I will be your husband. Philip is preaching this, eh? Let's look at chapter, chapter 55. We, we're nearly done. Sorry, I know it's a bit long. Please just bear with me. He's a financial minister. He's the minister of finances of the nation. And it says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have got no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And the financial director of the country is thinking, it will never work economically. There's got to be a price. Otherwise, we're going to go bankrupt. And God says, no, I'm going to throw a feast that's going to cost you nothing. You must come. And for all of you that are poor in spirit and poor in relationships and poor through experience, I want to invite you today to come and to eat and to drink water and to drink wine and to drink milk. Water refreshes you, wine makes you celebratory, and milk makes you sustainable. And, and he says, come. And this, this Ethiopian eunuch must have thought, flip, I can sing. I can be in covenantal marriages. I can be invited to a meal where I'm normally excluded from. I can actually come close to the people of God. Chapter 56, please. Let no foreigner who's bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain. I'm only a dry tree. Nobody is excluded from the church. It doesn't matter how you've been crushed. It doesn't matter how you've been cut. Nobody is excluded from the church. The next verse, please. Verse 4. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. Stand up, my son and my other son, my daughter. I gave you a name, name James. I gave you a name, Nasia. You took your surname and you gave it to her. There is no more powerful thing than when a dad names you. 
Nasia, miracle of God. James, the one who was on his knees crying out for the things of God. Joshua. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a name better than the names of sons and daughters. And look what the next verse says. And I'll give them an everlasting name that will not be, say it. Say it will not be cut off. Human beings can cut you, but God will never cut you off. No man who has been crushed or cut may enter the assembly of God. But Jesus was despised and rejected and crushed for our iniquities. It pleased the Lord to crush him. It pleased the Lord to crush him. So sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. Come close. Those who have been deserted by relationships, come close. Come and eat of this meal. I want to tell you, You'll never be crushed. You'll never be cut off. You'll get a name that is better than the name of son and daughter. And his response is, why shouldn't I be baptized?